You're listening to Revolver Podcasts. Good afternoon. A San Antonio district judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. State District Judge Angus McGinty is at the center of an investigation today involving the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin, and it cost him his freedom, his livelihood, his bench, and law license. Since pleading guilty, he's refused to talk about the details of his criminal case. Until now. I did it because I was foolish. And that one little mistake that I made, that I never really intended to make, but I did, cost me everything. Everything. But this is not just the story of a single judge taking a one-time bribe. You see, during the FBI's corruption investigation back in 2014, agents recorded attorney Al Acevedo on his cell phone, boasting he was bribing several state judges. Only McGinty was charged and prosecuted. That's because the FBI's undercover operation was compromised when word of the investigation was leaked to the very judges who it was targeting. The names of other judges and bribes they allegedly took have been kept sealed in secret FBI and court files, with many of those judges still on the bench. But I've obtained those secret files, and the truth of the courthouse corruption scandal, and exactly who was involved, will finally be revealed. I'm investigative reporter Brian Collister, and this is How to Bribe a Judge, the podcast. Coming up in this episode, you'll hear from one of the highest-ranking criminal court judges in the entire state of Texas, Burt Richardson. Inside still-sealed court records from the FBI's bribery investigation in 2013, an allegation that Richardson took $5,000 when he served as a district judge in Bear County. The claim is that the money was from attorney Al Acevedo, so the judge would give one of his clients probation. You'll hear Richardson's strong response in just a moment. But first, a recap of how the allegation came to be in the FBI files of former Judge Angus McGinty. Through these documents, there are indications that Aranda uh, told the FBI that he believed that uh, Acevedo asked him for $5,000 to bribe Burt Richardson so that he could get probation. Yeah, I remember reading that, yeah. You wrote in your affidavit, later Mr. Brown told me that Cruz Aranda did talk to the FBI and told them that Acevedo had given money to bribe former District Judge Burt Richardson to give him probation. Mr. Brown told me that he already warned Burt Richardson. Which, um, yeah, was all the basis of, uh, uh, of my appeal and, and corroborates what I had said is that Jay Norton told me that he warned some people and and uh, Alan Brown warned others. Now, in the case of Richardson, um, I asked you to look at the case file. Right. What jumped out at you in the case file that seemed unusual, and you were able to point me to this, um, and this might be have a correlation to what Mr. Aranda is claiming? You had asked me to look at a... Uh, uh, a printout that you had gotten, which is what's commonly referred to as an A page. It lists, lists someone's criminal uh, history. And this person that uh, you're talking about, Cruz Diaz Dado, 
is the name here, um, the same as Cruz Aranda. And it has um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten cases uh, listed, and the third one is a case where he was put on probation without a conviction. And I had told you that being put on probation without a conviction, uh, which is called deferred adjudication, um, is generally not given for um, aggravated felonies. Uh, this case is possession with intent to deliver controlled substance, four to 200 grams. That's a first-degree felony, I told you, uh, with the range of punishment of five to 99 or life. And that um, someone being put on deferred adjudication for that was rare. Uh, and then furthermore, that there were six or seven other cases that appear in this printout after that case showing that they happened after this person was put on deferred adjudication. So looking at this printout, if someone went to a judge for a bond on this motion to enter adjudication of guilt, they would see that this person is accused of committing six or seven other uh, crimes and that I would told you it is extremely unlikely that such a person would get a bond and be let out. And then you... Uh, and in you, this case, you, he got a pretty low bond. You showed me that um, the Judge Richardson wrote set bond at $15,000. And I had told you that, in my experience, that is a ridiculously low bond. Um, that's almost a third-degree uh, felony bond for someone who has no priors. So it, uh, yeah, that stood, that jumped out to me. So what do you think? I think you need to go talk to Burt Richardson. He's currently on the Court of Criminal Appeals. Now I've met Judge Burt Richardson while I was working as an investigative reporter at a TV station in San Antonio. I still have his cell phone number. Coming up next, I call that number and the judge picks up. Hear his response coming up next. Calling Judge Burt Richardson. Hello. Uh, hi, Burt. It's investigative reporter Brian Collister. How are you? I'm pretty good. What are you up to? <laughs> I am. I am working on a podcast uh, on the Angus McGinty case and the FBI yeah. investigation that went along with it. Okay. Do you have a minute? I do. Good. I um, So the podcast um, goes over the McGinty case at length. Um, okay. But there also are references. So as you probably know, the, the case is sealed. Um, no, I, I don't. No, I, you know, I, I don't know that it's sealed, and I, I don't remember a lot about it. But was, it, was this a Southwest Airlines ticket case, or no. was this the uh, mechanic this is the mechanic case. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Okay. So the, the, the reason I'm reaching out to you is because what I've gotten a hold of the, the sealed case files, which mm -hmm. uh, lay out all of the other various tidbits that the FBI picked up uh, during okay. the course of their investigation. And there's a reference to you in there. And okay. I wanted to run it by you. Now, one of the things I did notice in the court file is, um, you, you, I presume you, uh, at least according to the court file that you got a notice that 
that there was a reference to you. The notices they send out when you're referred to on a wiretap, mm-hmm. um, that those notices went out, and uh, I believe your name is on there. But I, I do, do you remember what year it was? This would have been 2014. Okay. Um, I don't remember getting a notice, but I, you know, it's, it's possible, but I, I don't. But I, I remember the case, and I remember the guy because he worked on my car, <laughs> and he really screwed me. Oh, really? So, Mike Otten worked on your yeah. car too? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh wow! So what happened in that case? It was that through Al Acevedo? No, no. It was he had a he had a business close to where I lived, and I pulled in one day. He was offering a special on oil changes or something and mechanical stuff. This is my experience with him preceded anything with Angus by years, I think. Um, and I didn't know anything about his background other than he had a shop and he did some work on my car and he, he kind of screwed me. And um, he kept my car for a long time and, you know, I kept demanding to get it back and he just kept giving me the runaround and eventually I just said, look, I'm just going to come get it. And then he charged me for it. And by the time I got home, I realized he hadn't done a single thing on it. And but it had nothing to do with anything at the courthouse. And I'm, I can't even remember. I'm trying to remember if I was a judge or a prosecutor. You were, a, 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 from what I can tell, you were a visiting judge at the time. Yeah, in 2014 now. I, I, had, I had nothing to do with that guy for years right um I mean, wasn't he killed or died or something yeah he was killed in an what argument you, over money with the neighbor so so the fbi investigation was going on around 2013 and toward the end of 2013 uh, mm-hmm. uh into 2014 and then i believe it was in 2015 after mcginty was indicted um mm-hmm. that mike Otten was killed yeah. um but during the during the course of all of this the uh uh the, the case was sealed, but uh, what I have gotten my hands on is McGinty's case file, essentially. Um, okay. And that includes um, a reference to a case involving a defendant that went through your call, through your court. His name okay. was Cruz Diastato Aranda. And it doesn't ring a bell, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't ring a bell? No, it does not. I mean, okay, let me, let me just give you my... My back, my work background. I and you know what I can do. I can, I can probably go through because I remember the car that he worked on, and I gave it to charity. And, you know, it's one of those where you can just donate or write it off. I could probably figure out when I give that to charity and give you the time frame of when. Mike oh no, I'm, it's it's not really the Otten. It's not really the Otten relation, uh, which I didn't even know about. It's so in this, the FBI interviewed uh, Cruz Aranda. And Aranda claims that uh, he was asked by Acevedo to give him $5,000 so that he could give it to Judge Burt Richardson so he would get probation in his case. Okay. And what is the question? (laughs) Did did, did I ever get any money from Acevedo? No. I don't. So narrow down your question for me, so I know how to answer it. So I don't. You just um, answered it. (laughs) I'm trying to remember when was Cruz in my court. I mean, you have to keep in mind I have like thousands of cases every year, and I'd be more than happy to email you the 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 file that I have, 
And what yeah. essentially the, 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 the file um, the file shows that he was in your court for uh, essentially being a drug dealer um, okay. and that he had violated multiple, multiple times. Um, and then when he appeared, um, f- finally appeared before you, um, there's a note, handwritten note from you to set the bond at $15,000. On a uh, motion to revoke or just on a new charge? Uh, I believe it was a motion to revoke that had been pending. Um, and was he on deferred or was he on just regular probation or do you, can you tell? He was on deferred initially um, okay. and then violated and there were about six attempts to um, revoke his probation. Uh, he cut the monitor okay. off, he absconded, okay. Uh, okay. took off and eventually was was arrested and then brought before you and then you gave him essentially probation again uh, okay. with the with the with the bond set at at the fifteen thousand, which means he would pay what fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. Um, but that and 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 I will share that case information with you. The the there's a reference in the FBI records where the agent writes that Alan Brown, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, yeah. And what year was this? What year did this happen? When I was on the bench. Uh, this would have been 2013, 2014. In Bear County. Yes. No, I wasn't. I wasn't sitting as a visiting judge in Bear County in that year during that time period. I, I wasn't even allowed to sit as a visiting judge in Bear County during that time period. Um, here, here's my work history, just just to give you a time frame. Um, I was in the DA's office until '98. I worked at the U.S. Attorney's office from '98 to '99. Um, I was appointed to the bench in 99. I got defeated in 2008 in Bear County. And at the time I was defeated in Bear County, um, I was eligible to become a visiting judge. Um, and I did, but there was, um, oh, I got something to do with that. But um, if, you, if, if one was defeated, thank you. If uh, David Peoples was a regional presiding judge at the time. So if you were, Defeated in Bear County, you couldn't sit in Bear County. That didn't keep me from sitting all over the state, which I did. And the only exception to that was, is I was called into actually my former court and to take care of some death penalty writs for Ron Ron Hell. But I wasn't setting any bonds or presiding over any cases in Bear County during that time. So I, and I was running, and I was running for the Court of Criminal Appeals at the same time. Okay. So if there's something in the file that says I was on the bench in Bear County setting bonds for this guy, that's not accurate. Okay. Well, I think the best thing for me to do is to share this with you. Uh, in, okay. Yeah, uh, you can send it to me if you want. And, and the reason I want to do that is that just in this FBI file, um, mm-hmm. the agent writes that Alan Brown became concerned after a defendant, Cruz Aranda, who was originally represented by Al Acevedo and subsequently came to be interviewed, uh, in, represented by Brown. Brown was very concerned that the FBI wanted to interview Aranda because Aranda would allege that Acevedo had solicited money from Aranda to pay a bribe to Judge Burt Richardson. Brown was adamant that Brown get to Aranda in jail and talk to him prior to Aranda being interviewed by agents. Okay. And so what they're alleging is that the the client or the defendant gave Acevedo $5,000 and they gave it to you. And then when I when I look at this court file... Um, it's got your handwritten note where you set 
his bond at $15,000, whatever the time and frame what, may be. And what year did I do that? Um, this would be... So his... Let's see if I can pull this document up here. Okay. Actually... What year did I allegedly do that? <laughs> uh, let's see here. And are these notes, are they FBI notes or? So what I just read to you are FBI uh, 302 form, which is F the FBI agent's official report. And okay. then I have the actual court file, um, okay. which has that handwritten note where he got the well, I'll tell you this much, right, right off the bat, whether I did it or not, if he was on deferred adjudication, he was entitled to a bond legally. Um, and, but that, I'm just saying that as a general rule. If somebody's on, on deferred, they're entitled to have a bond on the probation that they're on. Mm -hmm. um, but if all of this happened, because I remember just... I don't think I was even at the courthouse when Angus got in all that trouble. So this, um, this looks like it, it took place in... in um, 2012, I believe. So give me give me a time frame. And so the case was actually in the court. Start, the case was actually in your court originally, starting in 2001. Okay. And yeah. he was right. in and out of the in and out of the court on these various offenses. Um, after the drug dealing, he got everything from evading arrest, assault, bodily injury, married, driving when without a license. Uh, assault family uh, let's see possession of marijuana okay. Uh, okay. and so he he offend he reoffended multiple times including like I said cutting off his ankle monitor and okay. I guess my question is my question is still when did that happen it was I even on the bench because the date you're giving me I was I was defeated in 2008 and I didn't sit in Bear County for anything other than a couple death penalty writs that were assigned to Ron Hell's court. I didn't have anything to do with anything in the 37. If it was in the 379th after 2000, after December 2008, I had nothing to do with cases in that court, with the exception of either two or three death penalty writs. I just, I wasn't permitted to sit in Bear County. Okay. Period. That was, a, that was a standing rule by David Peoples. that help? I, am, uh, I mean, I'm happy to look at whatever you have, and then I'm not sure what question you're answering, but you know, yeah, if, if your question is, did I take $5,000 from Mal Acevedo? Hell no. I'm sorry, <laughs> say it again? With that, you're breaking up a little bit. I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, I, I'm not sure what your ultimate question is, but if it is, did I ever take $5,000 from Mal Acevedo? That would be no. But I don't even think I was sitting in Bear County um, for that to have happened. So did anyone ever come talk to you about this Cruz Aranda case from the FBI? No. I don't remember anybody ever talking to me about it. I think – do you remember who the federal prosecutors were? It actually wound up uh, being prosecutors out of New Mexico. The local oh, really? office uh, sort of oh, that's, abstained. That, did, they bring some, did they bring a special prosecutor into that? Yes. Yeah, okay, this is coming back to me. No, they never talked to me about it. I think I, you know, I, 
I keep up my contacts with most of the federal prosecutors I know here. And I said, I, I think I may have said in passing, hey, I'm surprised nobody ever talked to me about that guy because I thought the, the mechanic was the biggest crook in town. Um, but no, I don't remember anybody from the FBI interviewing me. I remember somewhere in the back of my mind, several people at the courthouse after I left, several judges getting letters about the wiretaps. But I'm almost, I'd have to look and see what the time frame is, but I'm almost sure I was gone. Did, but um, did you get one of those letters? What's that? Did you get one of those letters? I have no recollection of ever getting one of those letters. I think Ron Hell got one, I and mean, he took over my court. Yeah. But I don't think I got one. Yeah, I, I saw Ron Hell's getting name. A letter like that. Ron Hell's name is in the court file. Um, okay. So now, I have, and I, I, I would have remembered that because I worked with the feds. Right. Um, but no, I don't remember getting a letter. I certainly wasn't offered a bribe by Alessandro. I mean, uh, you know, the, if anybody's saying, "Well, did he offer you five thousand dollars?" No, he did offer me five thousand dollars. Well, the, I mean, it was it was it was that case and the Southwest Airlines case. Nobody ever talked to me about that either, um, and nobody ever offered me tickets to Southwest Airlines. But you know, we kind of joked that maybe they didn't do it because I used to work at Southwest Airlines, so I would have known it was a scam. So no, I didn't. I. My hands were clean in all those three ring surfaces. So I'm going to go ahead and email you this file, and okay. you can hopefully help me figure out what this note is about. I can look at it right now and see his email to me. Kind of put it together for you. Yes. Uh, Does that help? It's it's a large file, and I think I have it in the zip file. How, how big is it? Well, I'm going to send it as a zip. So you'll just okay. have to open it. Okay. Um, and tell me which is this is this a sealed FBI file or is it a state file? No, this is the just is this is just from the court file. The references to the allegations are in the sealed uh, FBI records. Was, court I'm just record. kinda curious, why was the file sealed? To protect the reputations of those who were not charged. Okay. Is and also to avoid uh, giving out secrets of government, uh, you know, FBI Stitches. techniques and okay. things like that. All right. Yes, I me right now. I'll, I'll look at it. I'm kind of curious, but I don't think I was even around. To be honest with you. All right. Well, I'd love to hear okay. what you have to say. I will uh, send it to you, and then I'll give you a call back in I don't know twenty thirty minutes. Okay. Thanks, Bert. Bye. Bye. Hey, Bert. There's almost 200 pages here. <laughs> like, what what am I allegedly supposed to have done because I revoked him and sent him to prison in 2008? Right. It uh, uh, it appears, if I'm reading it correctly, there was a point at which, uh, after he absconded and he was ca captured again, that a, uh -huh. that a a bond was set at fifteen thousand dollars, and again consider the source. But McGinty, when I said, you know, take a look at this file, what do you think? He said $15,000 for a first-degree felony motion to revoke. That's ridiculously low. Who said that? Uh, McGinty. Um, no, he was on deferred adjudication at the time. And so $15,000 for a violation while somebody's on a first degree felony for a drug case back in 2004 would not have been that low. 
So he was. Uh, now, who's, who's claiming it was low, McGinty or? McGin- I asked McGinty to, to look at the file and tell me what he thought, and he said, "Oh my God, look at this bond! It's incredibly low." And of course, the allegation is that the money was given by Aranda to uh, Acevedo to give to you, so that he would get out on bond. Now, uh, you know, my first so. So we're not talking about 2013. Let's just be clear. We're not talking about 2013, right? Correct. Because Correct. So I've gone through everything here, and there's, you know, at some point I signed something where I just remanded him without bond. Let me find that out. I mean, I looked at the right. document. I so was... I mean, I would have to probably spend two hours going through this stuff. Right. It, there's one document in here where I signed where he was remanded without bond. There's two or three other documents where the case was handled by whether we sent it to the impact court or something where Judge Priest or Phil Chavaria handled bond matters on the case. I do know that there's one bond I think I initially said at 15000 That was the initial violation on a deferred, which is pretty consistent with um, – well, this wasn't, af- this wasn't after What's the that? initial. This wasn't after the initial violation. This was, he had violated multiple times and and, and had uh, and had no. gotten additional uh, offenses. I, I don't I don't think that's accurate. I'm I'm looking at the dates on this, and I think the first motion that they gave me to. So here's how it would work: a defendant would commit a violation, and I had kind of. I mean, I think a lot of judges thought they didn't have to have any input from the state on bonds. I almost always asked the state for their input on bonds, especially if a defense lawyer came to me and asked me. Now, I'm just telling you as a general rule, because I don't remember this guy from a hole in the wall. I mean, this is like, I get had like thousands of cases every year. So somebody gets put on deferred adjudication for a felony offense, because that's what my court was, was a felony. And then they committed a violation. And then the state would file a motion to enter adjudication of guilt, as opposed to a motion to revoke probation, because the the entering the adjudication of guilt was related to a deferred case. And defendants were legally entitled to have bonds set on deferred adjudication cases. And we may have even had a felony bond schedule back then or recommendations on what we should set bonds at on on violations, deferred violations. Um, And and I did see that there was a $15,000 bond set initially. I think on the first time... When he was was arrested in 2001, his bond was $50,000. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's consistent with, okay, you're charged with a first degree felony of whatever it is. Um, but the deferred adjudication bonds were typically always lower than the original bond on the case itself, because it could be an allegation of a new number one, like a misdemeanor, a new felony offense, or failing to report or anything like that. And so... Typically, what I would do is get the prosecutor in, have the defense lawyer there who's asking for something and say, okay, here's the bond schedule. What are you asking for? And then I would set it. Um, and I, you know, I, and then I see Pat Priest's signature in here. I see at least once where I said uh, no bonds. Um, and I do see a $15,000 bond, which I think you could probably ask any judge sitting in Bear County back in 2003 or 2004. And they'd say, no, that was not unusual. Even um, even for a guy who who cut his his 
ankle bracelet off and had to be I, I arrested. Don't, I don't think I don't think that occurred at that point. I don't think. I mean, you're talking about something that he did after a bond was put on him, not what? before the bond was set on the deferred. Well, after I mean, his initial bond, he was put on deferred, and then he had all these violations, including the absconding. Right, and I don't believe I set a $15,000 bond after he did that. I think I remanded him without bond, because what will happen is the state will file their initial motion to revoke or enter adjudication of guilt, and at that stage, he's entitled to a bond. And the, the parties will come to me and say, okay, this is what we're looking for, this is what we want, or what do you want to set it at? And I'll set it. And then while he's out on that bond, if he commits another bond, I had the authority to um, just remand him without bond. And I just, I mean, this is 200 pages of documents. On one of the documents, I, I, I have a signature that says remand without bond. On the, so on the one that says set bond at 15,000 BR, when was that? Which page are you looking at? Page 55. Hold on. It's hard to tell what the date is on that document, but, and I don't know if the preceding page is reflection, is a reflection of that, but what it says is, um, motion to enter adjudication of guilt or amended motion to enter adjudication of guilt. So I'd have to go back and see. Um, so that says 15,000, but there's not a date on that document, but I think it's 2005, which would have been around the time when they brought him in on on that um and then somewhere in these 200 pages i remand him without bond um let me find that but i, I guess the bottom line is what i will tell you i mean here you have um judge vasquez gardner setting a bond of five thousand dollars on this thing in Let's see, Sid Harrell, 2004, well, setting the, you know, um, five, 2004. Um, so let me just see. So this is what I would tell you as a general, because I, I don't remember this case. I would, $15,000 would not be um, an unusually low bond for somebody on deferred adjudication and the state files a motion to enter adjudication of guilt. Coming up in our next episode, I'll continue my conversation with Judge Burt Richardson, and I ask him what his relationship was like with the man at the center of the bribery scandal, attorney Al Acevedo. That's next time on How to Bribe a Judge, the podcast. I'm investigative reporter Brian Collister.